to Sneaker Dads. I'm John Ratner. This is year two, episode three, and this week on the podcast, I have someone who's played a big role in the sneaker community and now the hack community. Shaheen from Still.ca, and that's spelled with a Y, has a long history in the sneaker game and is the owner of his own hat company, offers a unique perspective on the fitted market. Let's get into it. Shaheen, welcome. How are you, man? Thank you for having me. Good, good. I know we've talked about this for a while, so thanks for coming on. I know you're a busy man, so we'll get right to it. As I always ask, when we have uh, non-dads and non-moms on it, we do wear everything. So I want to know, Shaheen, do you wear everything? Do you wear all your sneakers? Or are there pairs that are sort of off-limits? Yeah, there's definitely, like, for sneakers, like, I have a rule once... Like, if I wear it right away, cool. But if I hold on to it long enough where it goes up to a certain price, I won't wear it anymore. I'm <laughs> like, no matter how many sneakers I have, when a sneaker hits like two, three, four thousand dollars, like, I don't want to wear it. I can't enjoy that sneaker no more. Where do you, you wear that? Can you enjoy it sitting in your closet or in your vault? Or is that destined to be sold? Or, or do you hold on to some of them as investments? Like less investments, like of course they are investments, but I don't buy them for investments. Okay. Kind of buy them because like recently I bought the Jaspers, um, the Kanye West Louis Vuittons, and mm-hmm. I don't need those at all. I'm never gonna wear them, but like that's a historical sneaker. I just needed that. Yeah. It came up and I was like, I gotta grab this. Cause back in the day, forget they were definitely cheaper than what I paid, but it was too expensive back in the day. Man, if I had a job, like a proper job back in the day, do you know what I would have had? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's crazy. But yeah, so you man. look at the value. You look at the value, but the, the not wearing it is because, because it's just hard to put on and the depreciation. And you're not necessarily planning to sell them. But, you know, if you, if you have things that you're kind of curating your own collection and maybe a personal museum type of thing you just don't want them to to kind of lose that yeah pristine kind of ds feel right i feel like it has more value overall if it's brand new as a display piece than like a worn sneaker that was worth a lot when it was brand new sure sure so you have some uh others you could uh mention other than those that would be uh um yeezy ones those are one shoe that are all ds i have a couple of them those ones i I had a pair that I wore and I ended up like selling it for cheap to Godfrey, mm-hmm. Godfrey at OD. And um, yeah, those ones, cause when I bought it used actually, like I do this sometimes I buy used sneakers cause it's done. Like, you know, like on a new phone, once you get the first scratch, it becomes nothing <laughs> to you. Yeah. Same thing. I bought a used pair and I wore it and I honestly, no one would tell me they looked ugly on me, but I felt it. So I like I never undies anything else. I don't think I have the style for those. Like those aren't sneakers that go with everything. Right. Super high cut. Those ones are all still DS. I have a bunch of Jordan ones that are still DS. Like what I do with Jordan ones is when us Jordan one comes out that I really like, I buy four pairs. Like um, Breads, Royals, um, Union Jordan ones, four pairs, all of them. 
fragment Jordan ones from back in the day. They were like $900 when they first came out. Four pairs. And then I'll wear one. And those shoes stay in my rotation like forever, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the other ones yeah. get vaulted away. And uh, you ever let go of some of them? Or do you kind of hold on to everything? No, I, I hold on to everything. Because like, how many times have you sold something thinking like that was a good price? And when you want it back, it is no longer anywhere near you sold it for? So I hey. just... You know the perfect example of that one, of mine, yes. right? <laughs> My God. No, I've told no, that no, story. No. It was a good deal at the time, so I'm not going to look back on that. Uh, That's the on... thing. That's the thing. Like, a lot of stuff that I sold in the past, looking back, like, I'm, I'm mad about it. But then, like, it was good in the moment. I can't... If we did that with everything, we'd lose money on stuff as well. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff we sold at a very good time. Absolutely. Like, Back in the day, not even too long ago, um, Ronnie Feig Asics. Like, there was a salmon toe. I think that was the one they released for the opening of Kith in New York. Those were going one. for a couple thousand dollars at some point. And now if you had a brand new pair, they could be worth a lot to you. But who is paying that price anymore? No one. For Asics, it's very, very hard. It's just the same thing. Yeah, everyone has a good story about like a sneaker they sold a long time ago. I had a friend, my friend Joseph. I got to call him out because when he told me this, it like hurt me. He had on Freddie Jordan SBs. Not, <laughs> sorry, Nike SBs. Freddie yeah. Krueger's, low cuts. And it was like a unicorn size. He sold it for like $1,000. Like those things are whatever you want. Like it's a blank check now. Yeah. That one hurt me. I never had a story that bad. But yeah, <laughs> everyone has one of those. Yeah, and you know, equally, everyone has a come up story where they got a good deal on something, and then it it skyrocketed. So that's that's oh. that's the game, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the game. You wanna you wanna break even in those moves. <laughs> that's the yeah, game. and hopefully have a nice little collection uh, at the end of it. Um, I'm sure we'll hear more stories as we go, but uh, I also want to ask, what's in the rotation? It sounds like you have a, a decent amount of shoes that you you wear, but what have you been wearing recently? Like, so this is like, this is like COVID environment. So like, <laughs> I don't go anywhere, right? Yeah. But if my rotation now, if I go anywhere, Union 1s, Fragment 1s, Union 4s, Bread 1s, and um, Travis Scott, Jordan Lowe's, like the first ones. Nice. I really like the brown on those. That's like my rotation. If you have to and step the, out to the store or make a delivery or see someone, that's what you wear. Yeah. And for, anytime I have like heat in my rotation, the one that's the most beat is my everyday shoe. That's how it goes. And then once that's dead, it's gone. Then whatever's beat after that, everyday shoe. And the rest are like occasions. Sure. Walk the dog, go to the store, pick up the mail, whatever. That's the most exactly. beat of, of what you just uh, you just said. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to get my uh, wares in the summer. I, I got a pair of Nike IDs, uh, kind of maroonish. I busted out, just arrived. Um, some suede Asics trying to get. And I got those Saquon Barkley Air Trainer 3s. I didn't need them, but they look cool. And I always like an Air Trainer 1, 2, or 3. So I uh, broke mm -hmm. those out today. That's what's been in my rotation. No, I want to go, not... go back. I'm sure we have some. Uh, we have a lot to talk about what's going on not only 
in the sneaker market uh, today, but also in the hat market, which you're uh, deeply involved with. But I want to take it back. How did you get into sneakers? Sort of started in the community. Where did it start for you? There was a there was a website back in the day, theshoegame.com. Yeah. And I was always in the comments. Back in the day, I was just in the comments. My name back then was the Toronto Come Up. Hilarious. But anyways, <laughs> like, so the Nike Yeezy one, I was always buying sneakers. And like back in the day, um, TSG, we called it, they would post sneakers from every brand. So I had like one sneaker of every brand, like Saucony, Greedy Geniuses was big back in the day, like stupid stuff. I just wanted to have one of everything, like I loved sneakers back then. And then the Jordan, not the Jordan, um, Nike Yeezy Ones started popping up. Mm -hmm. And in the comments, people were talking like where they're releasing. And we found out where they were releasing in Toronto, Livestock. So I was just kind of driving back and forth. Like my mom, like back in the day, I was young. My mom would drive me just to see if there was a lineup. I thought it would start like very early. I ended up starting on the Friday and released on Saturday. For a shoe like that, having a one-night campout is impossible now. Those were the good days. Like, one whole day on a sidewalk was insane. But it was also pouring rain that day. I ended up going there, and I met someone who was also in the comments, like, like from Toronto. So he's like, oh, you're, you're um, Toronto come up? And we ended up making friends there. And, yeah, after that lineup, the friends we made in that lineup were the people I would always see in lineups. So that's how the community, like my sneaker community, started going to that lineup, actually meeting people. Because you'll make friends at a lineup. Yep. Well, back in the day, you could. Now, lineups are so aggressive. You don't trust nobody. You can't go to the bathroom. You have to, like, it's different now. But back in the day, when you went to a lineup for sneakers, you guys all had one thing in common, like right off the bat. We talk and we realize it's all like connected. We have a lot of things in common. Some of my closest friends are from that day like to this day. So that started me off. Reselling was never really my thing. Um, yeah, I don't think I ever wanted to resell anything. I was a hoarder. And like back in the day, you would make like $200 on a sneaker. That was nothing for me. Not that I like I had a lot of money, but like to do all that for $200 made no sense. Sure. And even, um, even the Nike Air Yeezys, we're going for 600 USD the day after. I remember this. And retail was like 280, I think. But that's not a lot for a sneaker. Like 600 USD for a hyped sneaker is unheard of now. Yeah. Geo, like, it's crazy. So that started the community. And then a lot happened after that. Like through that, I worked at, um, I helped out with a lot of different shops in Toronto, like sneaker shops. Cool. So I help people. And pretty much like anywhere I go, I I tried to build a community. I liked meeting people. And like this whole sneaker thing is fun when it's a community. When you're by yourself on Instagram posting sneakers, it's kind of lonely. It's boring. Like, yeah. I love that. Like, we actually all cared. It was actually a real community. I miss those days. Like, that was like the sneaker culture days where every sneaker had a story. It's different now. Yeah, I want to hear some of these stories, but um, maybe we could jump ahead to your work at ODTO because that's a staple in the community in the in this Toronto sneaker scene now you're not there anymore we'll talk about what you're doing now but you built something that I don't know if that exists 
in very many cities at all if i mean it's unique in many ways maybe you can talk about it yeah even with that when it was happening it was again about community so one of the first things we wanted to do is have like display pieces even though we're a resale shop not everything's for sale like i like having pieces where someone comes in asks a question i could like educate them on it then go tell someone that part was dope but even with that store i wanted to build a community and we kind of did we kind of did we had a lot of people like we did that whole on uh, sneaker battle with you like that yeah. like that was one of my favorite those type of moments is why i like the sneaker game is when we all come together for like the love of sneakers yeah, yeah. So. You're talking about an Instagram a sneaker battle you guys did. I think you did a couple of them. And uh, yeah, everyone got really hyped up and, and I participated and a bunch of local people participated. It was really cool. But you're talking about you were talking about the shop and the pieces. Uh, t- tell our listeners who, who maybe uh, don't live in Toronto or haven't seen the shop. Uh, some of the things I think the, the centerpiece maybe are the decks. Yeah, so the centerpieces are the decks like Supreme since they first started we're releasing decks and at some point they became really collectible because it essentially became art and we completed the entire supreme deck series up until that moment and we put them in the floor so people can come and see and uh, like a lot of those pieces like supreme does a lot of collabs with um artists too damien hurst a lot of people so it's also real art in the floor so that was cool I mean, it must have been quite an ordeal to hunt down some of that stuff. I know you mentioned Godfrey already, and I remember, I remember selling him a pair of shoes, uh, Air Max One the Sixes, uh, before the shop opened, and he didn't tell me that they were for the shop, but they weren't for his in his size. So mm-hmm. in hindsight, <laughs> thinking I didn't even know he was working there at the time. Uh-huh. You know, you guys had to amass not only things for inventory, but you had to amass things for display so it must have been it must have been well it was right it was, it was, it was like three a years. couple of years of right three years. years of hunting right and and yeah. and the city of toronto i think gave you guys the opportunity by not giving you the 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 rights to to open the shop so you had more yeah. time but i mean what was that like hunting for all these things i mean did you have to kind of go everywhere across the globe to all the sort of you know scour the internet type of thing yeah like it's like my favorite part about the whole experience was the people I met. Like, I don't think I have one thing in that store that I bought from someone that I didn't make a connection with. Like we were friends. Like I didn't just buy stuff from random people. Like I met people and like a lot of people helped with that shop that were just originally just selling me stuff, but then they like became invested in it. They wanted to help Mm -hmm. me actually find stuff. So, yeah, like, even through that, I built a community. I have a lot of friends in New York. Like, when I get to go back, I got to visit everybody. Like, a lot of people in New York would help. The decks, we actually started the collection. Like, we had a few pieces before, but a big chunk of it was from a shop called Timeless in Arizona. They were one of the OG resale shops for Supreme. Mm. Like, not not further back than Unique Hype in New York. New, Unique Hype is like the one, but Timeless opened up. They had the biggest deck collection at the time. It wasn't complete, but it was the biggest one. And they ended up closing. And yeah, like again, through the connections, people I met, they connected me with them. And we actually went out there to pick them up. 
went to Very LA cool. and then drove all the way out there. It was it was an adventure, man. A lot of it was fun. Yeah, and you guys, I guess you guys were going to other things like sneaker cons and things like that to grab yeah. stuff and all sorts of places. I mean, wherever you could get your hands on, probably hitting up collectors around the world, but also in Canada and Toronto, right? Yeah, like at first it was hard because um, we didn't know anybody. So like it took a while to start like finding the right people who had the right stuff. Eventually we became popular and people would come to us. Yeah. So it became easier towards the end. Towards the end, it, like people were throwing stuff at us. But yeah. in the beginning, it's kind of hard finding those pieces that I was looking for at least. Like I didn't want just the stuff that's releasing that day. So looking for the old stuff. Yeah. But definitely a lot of people in Toronto helped too. Net Magnetism helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm sure. Yeah. And I actually don't remember. I have a terrible memory how well, if at all, we knew each other. I don't think we knew each other very well at all when I came. And I just told the story on the podcast, but not everyone listens to the early episodes. I sold a pair of dead stock Chicago ones from 1985. And you did a video with uh, Complex and you highlighted it and you made a joke about, you know, rent in your apartment. I still saved that video. I don't know if it's on the uh, <laughs> it's on the website, but, um, you know, I think we kind of you know, connected when I did that and Godfrey, uh, Godfrey helped arrange it too. But, and, and now obviously um, you're on my podcast. So uh, credit to your work at OD and, and hunting down those shoes. And, and I came to you guys, like you said, I, I came looking for someone and it was, I wanted the idea of it being in the community and being yeah. in the shop. And as you remember, probably my son and I came down and I showed it to him and he, he always tells me to sell all my shoes. So he was happy <laughs> that I had the cash and the shoes were on display and he got to see them. Um, um, so a, anyone can uh, obviously, uh, when they're in Toronto, go check out the shop. They, they, they uh, uh, you, You're doing other things. I really want to talk about what you're doing now, but I do want to talk more about sneakers. You talked about some what's in the rotation. Do you have sort of, you know, pairs that I don't want to call them grails. Maybe they are. Maybe we could go through your grails. But do you have sort of favorites, maybe even that you go to? You mentioned like Jordan ones, but you've obviously been in the game for a while. Not it sounds like you know those easy ones weren't the beginning. You were you were you were into sneakers before, but that was sort of when you got serious into the community. Do you have sort of favorites that you you remember maybe back in the day when you were a kid or or now that you still you still go to? When I was a kid, it was always Air Forces for me. I didn't even, like, I couldn't even afford Jordans until, like, later on. For me, it was always Air Forces. And it was mids. I was wearing Air Force mids. Shout out to Nelly. My God. And Sean Desmond. If you're from Toronto, that guy was wearing some um, white and baby blue Air Force ones. Sean Desmond is dope. Like, I'm not listening to him today, but back in the day, I was, I was the jam. Sure. But, yeah, I remember those very clearly. I was trying to get those pairs. Like, the baby blue with the white, the mid. I can't wear mids now. The strap is like obnoxious. But <laughs> yeah, mids yeah, get that no was, love now. Yeah, but that was my shoe from back in the day. Now, like I try to mix it up. I have a lot of New Balances. Like I have the Pigeon New Balances, like the OG ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, to be honest, I don't wear a lot of these anymore because like people wouldn't appreciate them for what they are. Yeah. So like as much as I like them, they're worth they're kind of hard to get so like just to wear them out for no reason kind of ruins it like if they were cheaper i would wear them out no problem but because they're worth money and no one knows what they are it's like there is no point of wearing them i i used to get clowned for a couple of months i have um 
Tassie Devil New Balances. Like, it's a rare. Yeah. I get clowned for those. Like, a couple of my friends are like, what the fuck are you wearing? Like, like, what are you wearing? I'm like, these are dope, man. Like, I have to explain to them what they were. So, like, New Balances aren't even cool to most people. Man, it's it's a, it was it was more fun back in the day, man. When like people appreciated the sneakers, they weren't that expensive. It was more fun. Once money gets involved in something, it ruins it. It ruins yeah. everything. Look, my God. Well, th- that brings up something I wanted to ask about. I, I won't ask you any more about your your sneakers because you obviously have a you know a history and a knowledge of of various brands. And when I remember when I was in the on the battle, you, you showed a lot of respect. To not just what I was some of the runners and things I was, I was showing off and, and, you know, not everyone was doing that, but, but, uh, but some of the, the newer stuff, you obviously know, you know, old to new, but um, you know, the game now, and, you know, I, I try and keep it positive on this podcast, but be honest. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's negative and now, and, and there's a lot of consignment shops too, and it's fueled by people seeing the opportunity. Right. I mean, how, how do you see it now? Do you, do, do you think, um, do you think we're at like the the peak of the market? Do you think we're there's no saving the market, saving the sneaker community, or do you, or, or what do you think in general about what where we are? Like I think if Nike kept up their release schedule through COVID, I think like sneaker reselling would be dead. Like we really didn't have too much because at some point they were releasing so much, people who were buying stuff for resale at some point they were going to run out of money. It was just way too much. They slowed down a lot. So it kind of got, if people are still paying high prices, they don't have to pay it every single week for a release. But mm-hmm. there was a point where it was like getting crazy. It was getting out of hand. And there's a lot of shops opening. And not to mention everybody resells on Facebook groups and stuff. So everyone's a reseller. It, I don't know, resale shops. There's always going to be a place for them. Like, I don't want the day to come where we only shop online because sometimes I just want to wear a fit out to buy something. Otherwise I have nowhere to like a restaurant every time I have to wear sneakers, but like, I like going places. That's why like, it's always a place for retail shops, but it'll definitely quiet down a bit. It's just too much going on. Like everyone's doing it. And it certainly seems like that. I mean, you know, consignment shops, every mall now, it feels like. Yeah. Yeah, there's um there's shops in Toronto that have multiple stores in Toronto, multiple. Yeah. And, and like that's the thing about like anyone who's a reseller right now who's thinking about opening up a shop. Let me explain to you this business. You let's say you make let's say you have $100,000 in inventory and you sell 20,000. What are you going to do with that 20,000? You're not going to invest it. You have to buy more sneakers. You have to keep it going forever. You may never, ever get to enjoy the money because you're going to make losses in between. Shoes aren't going to sell. So now it's just like stock being stuck. It's never ending. You will never enjoy the money from a consignment shop. It, it's and like it's too much. And you have to buy the new stuff coming out because the new stuff is like the marketing. You yeah. want like people to know like we always have the new stuff. And then they'd come in, they'll see something else they forgot about and buy it. But you always have to be on the new stuff. And it's never ending. You're gonna spend forever. There's no way out. And you gotta get it when it drops. You gotta get it before it drops. You gotta get it the day it drops. Yeah. My God. And you have to sell it before the people who buy it for the high prices already like they might already have it. Yeah. You might have already bought it from a reseller. So it's a lot of stuff going on. 
but it's a tough business. The worst thing you could do is keep opening brick and mortars though, but people do it for different reasons. We're not going to get into why you would open multiple stores, but yeah. But if you're doing it to make more money, it's the wrong move, especially with COVID now, like that definitely woke a lot of people up. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah, I don't need, I just, you just need a very good website. You need a good online presence, whether it's on Instagram or wherever you just need to be known and you have to have a good website. Yeah, certainly seems like, especially these days with COVID and the changing online and, and brick and mortar, like you said, retail, retail uh, landscape. But what about the fact that sneakers have become mainstream? Obviously, you know, tourists and celebrities coming in, not just to ODTO, but like to any resale shop, to any retail shop. But, you know, there, there's that thirst that wasn't there before. There was always demand, you know, Flight Club's been open for, for decades and, and some of the shops in Toronto have been around for a little while, but, you know, even before the latest, the latest sneaker, you know, surge, but um, really there's a, there's a huge kind of mainstream demand for sneakers now. Like anyone, I'm sure people who don't know anything about sneakers would walk into uh, ODTO and, and drop, drop, a drop a stack. Right. Yeah. I think I don't honestly I have to think about this, but I really think Kanye West started like this like craziness that's going on with the Jordan ones when he was wearing those. Yep. Or the Royals. That that was a huge price jump when he started wearing those. And then much later was the Yeezys. That was like the first time you saw resale prices get like that high. And we're like, this is another thing that was crazy. Back in the day, um, People were trying to buy, like, I would post sneakers online for like a hundred dollars, and dude would be like, "Man, I don't have a hundred. Can you do 90? When the Yeezys came out, that same guy was offering me seven hundred dollars for Yeezys. Where did you get seven hundred dollars? He didn't have ten. So that was the first time I saw people dropping that kind of money, like freely. I've never seen that. Like people were cheap back in the day. Everyone wanted a deal, but the Yeezys, people were like, "How much? I'll buy it." I was like, "Where did you find that money, man?" Can't trust these people. But that was the next big jump. Kanye West and Louis Vuitton brought in like, like high-end sneaker hype. And then the like the nuclear bomb was the 350s, man. Like it doesn't matter where you go, people know what a 350 is. Right. Everyone, like, there is there's a shawarma shop like by me on Lawrence. The guy making shawarma has on 350s. Like he doesn't, he used to wear sandals. I'm not even kidding. Like everyone knows that shoe. And then that's it. It just blew up from there. And people just like, oh, there's other sneakers. And they started learning a little bit, started buying stuff. It, it just became crazy. But I think Kanye West really is the reason why it's at this level right now. Yeah. And it's some funny. people think, so, sorry, some people think Travis Scott is like the biggest name in sneakers. Like Kanye West dropped a sock with a sole with adidas and made a billion travis scott made a jordan one it's not the same it's not the same there anyone can make a jordan one and it'll sell out anyone it's connie west is a completely different creature but what were you saying no you mentioned the jordan ones with kanye and you know, people have short-term memories, especially in the sneaker game. You know, a lot of people were there. A lot of people weren't there when that happened. But, you know, you can go back to 350, the the Ultra Boost, even though that wasn't really what he was wearing the first time. I forgot but, about that. Yeah. And then, and then the Jordan 1. 
and you know people say jordan ones there's a craze for jordan ones now jordan ones have been you know a lot of people didn't like jordan ones back in the day you know a lot of people didn't even know or care about them but when kanye was wearing the royals and the the breads wherever he was at runways and fashion shows those shoes went crazy everyone wanted them prices went up as far as i'm concerned that's when jordan ones took off because they never went down and yeah. uh, that's where yeah. we're living in now we're living in the after effects of that and it may be a travis scott shoe but it's uh like you said kanye deserves credit and, and what he's doing at adidas now i mean I love him or hate him he deserves a credit yeah yeah no definitely and yeah he also wore it with like a good fit like i i, I remember seeing people wearing the exact fits he would wear <laughs> yeah. the exact fits he was on Absolutely. fire at some point yeah and uh you know the whole celebrity sneaker and you know fashion um you know it's not nothing new but in terms of the sneakers i think he really changed the game and and now obviously every celebrity is wearing sneakers again some of them were doing it before him you know he was the first but he really sort of popularized it at least for mainstream because he he's such a recognizable and well-known name in in the fashion and uh of course the music industry right yeah no definitely I, he's the most influential in fashion like drake is like rap wise he'll like be always up there but like total influence drake would never get you to run out and buy <laughs> a like an adidas he will never be able to do that like kanye west has man these um crocs these easy foam runners <laughs> i cannot believe people are buying them like that but like i love to see it because i always like back in the day i remember i was the kid who was like making fun of people with like like sneakers that weren't cool but then at some point i'm like wait i don't want them to wear the same sneakers as me yeah. like i i want yeah wear something different i was actually like i broke it down to myself like why would i want them to wear the same sneakers comes so boring so i actually do love seeing people wear different stuff like different people clown people for wearing mids now like mids is not cool like wear whatever it really matters how you put it together. We know so many people wear Jordan 1s any any colorway, but they don't know how to wear it. And you ruined it. You ruined it. You could wear a nice mid. I used to wear mids back in the day. Last thing on Jordan 1s. My favorite colorway, maybe top three Jordan 1 ever, was um, Jordan released the Old Love, New Love pack. Yeah. The Old Love was pretty much um, a black toe, but with a black tongue. Yeah, I always wanted them to make a high version of that. But like I had three pairs of those. They were always cheap. The mids like those buy a lot of pairs of those. But that's the one Jordan one I would want them to make is that colorway and a high. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the pack right here. I haven't broken it out. But the reason I bought it is because it was such a good price. Parlor 23 was 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 selling them and I couldn't turn it down because it's a black toe and uh, Jordan wore mids and uh you know, it's got that black tongue, which, uh, which I don't know my history too well, but I think uh, he might have worn a black tongue, uh, black toe as well. But uh, yeah, mids, mids don't get any love. But again, like you're saying, you know, wearing the shoe that uh, not everyone, you know, we're, we're caught up in the culture now where everyone wants the new shoe. Everyone wants to be wearing the Travis, the Travis uh, highs or, or lows, the new ones. And you go to sneaker con, it's kind of like you see four kids wearing it and, and maybe it's cool for them maybe that generation is cool for them to all have the same shoe but what you're talking about is 
cool to be different, cool to have someone say, hey, where did you get those? What are those? And like you said, the Tassie Devil's perfect example of like, hey, what are those conversation starter? Yeah, New Balance is uh, is not a new brand. <laughs> These shoes are from yeah. from 10 years ago or whatnot. So let's, let's uh, move on. I want to talk, of course, about hats. Um, you're big into the game. You've made a name for yourself with still when did they come into the picture for you obviously we all had hats growing up you know I collected hats as a kid but I never treated them that seriously you know I took care of them I had a little collection I treated them as a collection but it wasn't like sneakers now and I know people have been doing this for a long time you know as long as sneakers have been popular probably hats have been popular but when when did you sort of get into it I probably like around the same time as sneakers because um back in the day like Wale was always wearing fitteds like there was a bunch of rappers who would wear fitteds and yeah it was always like back in the day we'd match everything like to the accents on the sneakers like the laces we'd match everything so we'd always look for fitteds to match the sneakers and you would wear them with the sneakers so they kind of went hand in hand when it blew up was when people couldn't even get sneakers anymore. Like sneakers now is like a statement piece. You don't have to match it at all. You can like wear like any colors, your sneakers will pop. Fitteds have become that. You see the colors that people are buying these days. They're not matching that. Like um, a gray purple top with a pink under, you don't have sneakers to match that. But people just want something to stand out. Nobody can get sneakers anymore. So it's turned to fitteds. And now they're treating it the fitteds like sneakers. Like, again, there's no culture in that either because there's so many fitteds coming out now. Yeah, it's definitely blown up is an understatement. But uh, you talked about the sort of fitted culture that was there. And I'm sure like sneakers, there's the parallel like you're talking about is there's the people who've been doing it and then there's the people who are sort of new to the game, right? Yeah. There's, yeah, like, and it's funny, like, the people that were doing it all feel a way now because it's so popular. They're like, I was on it first. It's the, the first people to the party are always the ones that are forgotten. So yeah. ones who come in the most loud is the ones we remember. And, like, same thing happened with fitteds. There's there was so many like OG fitted collectors that like nobody cares about. Like sad. Yeah, and the same thing goes for sneakers. Like <laughs> guys, guys are just quiet and stick to themselves, and you know maybe come out here and there and and don't you know I, I we know a lot of them in in the city <laughs> or, or in the community who who just have crazy collections and know the game and and uh, you know sometimes sometimes you know like you said, feel a certain way. But I want to talk a little bit about the trends in, in the fitted hat game because, you know, talk about older people, older older people, not necessarily older people, but people who've been in the game game longer. And are there things that they, I mean, I don't want to generalize, but, you know, things like colored UVs, under visors, and patch, side patches, like it's really gone. I don't want to say yeah. out of control in a negative concept content, but yeah. it is, right? I mean, anything goes now. And and New Era in particular kind of seems like they're letting it go, right? Yeah. New Era, like, 
took a page out of the Nike playbook and they started doing a lot of collabs. So they also were involved in blowing it up. They did Polo. They did Union. Like they did um, Travis Scott. That was a big one. That was a moment where people were paying resale for a fitted. That was one of the first fitteds on StockX, except for Supreme. Supreme was always doing fitteds, but you can go to Supreme like two months after the season opening and get a fitted. You can't do that anymore. Definitely Travis Scott was involved in like getting a lot of people to wear it. And he might not have like, he definitely didn't start the hype, but what he did is get people to buy the hat to at least try it on. The thing about fitteds is you don't know your size. So a lot of people ended up at least trying it on to know their size. And if they liked it, they were in. Yep. A lot of people got in like that. That's the one thing about fitteds is the sizing. I think that's why it never got too popular. Stores wouldn't risk it because there would always be sizes left over. It was never popular enough. There would always be always leftover stock because it's such a specific size. They would always go snapbacks, dad caps. Yeah. One size fits all. But now it's big enough where we'll take that risk. Like everything's selling. Well, I don't want to go too into sizing, but maybe you can help me out because I asked my hat group i'm in on instagram group chat about sizing is there a rule you know where the hats made china bangladesh wool polyester or do sometimes you just get a hat that fits different there's definitely like um room for error like at new era for sizing they're they're never the exact size never regardless of material or whatever, they could all be made in the same place. They could all fit a little different. It's, it's interesting, but most of them fit generally the same, but 100% there's always a fitted or two in every size run that fits weird. But in general, polyester and wool fit differently. I think polyester fits a little bit or no wool fits a little bit more snug, but wool is easier to stretch. Mm-hmm. Right. And Bangladesh and China, we always get people in the comments, is this made in China or Bangladesh? <laughs> the other day we got fitteds from Bangladesh and I'm looking at them and I had the same fit. It was a restock. So I had the same fitteds made in China as well. I'm looking at them. It's the exact same hat. Like, I don't know what <laughs> they saw, but I'm looking at them. Same hat, two different factories. I need to know. Can you find out for us what the difference is? <laughs> I need to know. I ignore it. When people yeah. comment, is this China? I ignore it because I'm like, I don't know what this leads to. I don't know which one's better. <laughs> I'm going to ask my group chat because they do the same thing. They say, Bang is it Bangladesh? And then I'm sitting there like the newbie in the group. I just got in the group like a month ago. So I'm going to ask them and see if they have an actual explanation or if they're just uh, talking out of their asses to yeah, sound like they know, know what they're talking about. Let me know because I'll test it out. Like I have them. Like I would know better than anyone. I have the most experience with both of those factories. I have yep. not figured out what it is. Some people said quality, but we're talking about Bangladesh and China. They're going to be generally the same quality. Right, right. It's going to be threads loose on a hat on random places regardless. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you talk about threads loose, the quality control on these new eras is really good. Compare, you know, I don't want to compare it to Nike, but I mean, for a company that's doing 
you know, obviously dominating the fitted hat market and snapbacks. And, and I know there's other players, you know, Mitchell Ness is in, is in the, the market and there, there's a ton, you know, a bunch of other companies, but for what, what New Era is doing, um, you know, all the hats I get from Still, from you and, and elsewhere, it's, it's quite amazing. And, and I did Sneaker Dad's New Eras and they're amazing. You know, you go through them and you look and you, you want to make sure you're selling people good products and I'm blown away by how nice they are yeah no definitely and like especially with the quantities we have yeah we rarely see like a hat that we can't even sell like it's it's really good the only time you get into trouble is when you're making a new embroidery and Mm -hmm. it's like the first time they're doing it it could come out a little weird but that's like that's that's like a lot of things can go wrong with that like the vector file was wrong the way like that one we can give them a pass, but like a New York Yankee logo, they mastered, yeah. and that's actually the easiest logo for them to make. They mastered that, like actually. But um, yeah. do, do you know who started um, like, um, fitteds used to be just like OTC original team colors. Anytime I write OTC in the comments, it was um Spike Lee who asked New Era to make him a red Yankees fitted to match his yankee jacket that he was wearing at the time there's a photo of that out there but he started all of this it was always original team colors he started the first different color hat ever and then new era they're from buffalo in their headquarters in the elevator is a picture of that spike lee in that hat it's really dope that's a really dope like office space like the headquarters in buffalo like there's a lot of history in there it's a wow. really nice spot, yeah. I didn't know it was in Buffalo, and I, I didn't know it was Spike Lee. So the sort of the first, uh, I don't know if you could call it a custom, but a first, you know, non-on-field, first, yeah. first, you know, a non-original color colorway or whatnot. Wow, Spike yeah. Lee. Yeah. yeah. Well, if anyone could have the clout to to do that, it would it'd be him. What do you What do you know? What can you share about both your experience, but others? in terms of doing things differently in terms of side patches and UVs and, you know, I don't want you to share any of the secret sauce, but, you know, even, even mixing it up with, with, you know, logos on the crown and things like that. I mean, you know, we, we don't have to talk about specific people, but like, like you said, Spike Lee did this with, with the Yankee hat or, uh, but really, you know, other people sort of got more serious about it and tried different colors and things. I mean, you've talked to me about peach before and, and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about those sort of, you know, maybe not people originating, but popularizing, right? Yeah. Like the pink bottom, like it got really popular through hat club, but hat club didn't start it. I know everyone says they did. They did not. The first time I saw it was out of Japan. And this is years before Hack Club, years before. So they didn't start it, but they definitely made it popular. And even when OD started, we did a pink bottom ODTO hat. That was before Hack Club dropped their pink bottoms. I'm not saying we started it, or but like around yeah. the same time. And I got my inspiration from that hat from Japan. So, and but like when we started doing fitteds, like I still, the first thing like you would want to do is pink bottoms, but we didn't even do pink bottoms at first. We just did all gray bottoms and we brought out peach bottoms 
we were the first people to start Peach Bottoms. Like that one I can confirm. And another thing we started was the T-Bird, like mm-hmm. the Blue Jays logo. Because we can see like um, T-Bird logos that were made before and after the one we dropped. There was nothing dropping before. Like there's a like you could see this all through New Era. Right. Everything after that, it just became huge. So, yeah, that one I'm proud of. The Peach Bottoms really works with a lot of hats. Like when I saw the material, I'm like, this is like almost nude. It's like a it's like a nice neutral color. Works with a lot of colors. But nowadays, finding new colorways is very hard because I'll make, I'll design the hats and it takes months before it comes in. And same with other like companies. So in between those months, I could have also thought of that same hat. Now my hat comes in two months later. People (laughs) think we copied, but like there's, everyone's going to copy eventually. There's only so many colorways that go together. It's very hard to stay like unique. The one thing we're doing is making like, like actual customs. We're not taking like, like hats that exist and changing the color. Like we did the sunflowers. We did the cherry blossoms. Yep. We're putting, um, there's corduroys coming this year, but like a different color corduroy, not black. We're trying to do stuff that's like very exclusive to still because most colors are taken right now. Do you think there's going to be a point where the market is saturated and people like companies like you doing things you know exclusive or different are really going to be it's going to be needed because people are going to be saying okay well i have 14 purple with peach bottoms like i'm looking at my room my sneaker room has has turned into a hat room as you know (laughs) as as you know how many how many orders i place with you and and other places but like you know i'm looking and, and like i don't really even wear that much purple and i'm looking at all these different purple hats some of them are jay's hats some of them are for you and it's kind of like i look and i see another one i see a seattle one today i'm like damn that's really nice (laughs) that's like how many purple hats do i need right so the i mean it's like the same thing with sneakers yeah people aren't stopping but at some point they might right at some point they have to like there is too there's a such thing as too many fitteds like at some point they will like where where we're lucky is we're at the very bottom i don't have any overhead like our stuff is selling out the companies who have like crazy overhead there's shops in new york that have four or five stores yeah when the hype dies for them they are going to have a problem i'm still going to be going up even if the hype dies because i am like literally at the bottom like lids is huge compared to me but we're still selling out. Like I will, I'll meet them in the middle, essentially. Like if the hype ever dies, we'd all meet in the same place. So like, that's where I'm lucky in this, but I feel like it will quiet down a bit. Eventually. I don't, honestly, I don't know, man. I thought that about sneakers. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and sneakers take up way more space and they're way more expensive. Absolutely. We'll see. <laughs> that, that's why I'm buying more hats than sneakers these days. But also, that's a motivation to do things differently and stand out. I mean, some of your collections, you, you mentioned like these embroidery things, and some of them people are doing, but I don't think uh, I don't I don't think anyone did the cherry blossom, at least not before you guys. And, and no. then I grabbed your sunflower, sunflower Jay's hat. I didn't see that anywhere. I mean, are there 
collections that you're particularly proud of that you worked on? And I also want to ask, maybe this goes in, in line, is it all you or do you have like a design team or people that help you? Um, it's pretty much all my ideas. And like here and there, I'll get opinions from different people, but because like I give credit where credit's due. We know Peter used to work at OD. He put me on the T-Bird. He was like, yo, I really like that logo. I'm like, yo, let's just try it. He told me, let's make the blue and the red on the Blue Jays like darker. It came out beautiful. And like, that was all his idea. But for other things, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just me. But like some stuff I'll talk over with people, like the Cherry Blossom, I spoke to our new era rep about it. Tried to figure out, because Japan has done Cherry Blossoms before. No one's ever done a Blue Jays one. And we actually had it designed by Jazz, Jazz Alba mm -hmm. on Instagram. So like that, that hat is Toronto. Designed by a guy from Toronto, Toronto team, released by a Toronto company. Like that is a Toronto hat. Yeah. And like a lot of these customs we're doing, I always do like Blue Jays because man, we never had cool stuff like in terms of Blue Jays fitteds. It's always Yankees, LA. So like, that's why everyone's like, you release a lot of Blue Jays hats. I'm like, I'll release more. Never had this, yo. I'm excited. You know, the Jays, and you, maybe you could confirm this, but the Jays um, hats, just kind of like the Raptors, they seem to be super popular. I mean, maybe not competing with the Yankees or some of the some of the kind of timeless hats, but are Jays hats like up there? Blue Jays is like when we release hats our blue jays are gone first i look at other sites too like other companies in the states and their blue jays are always gone first as well and i don't know if that's canada buying it but blue jays is one of the most popular ones right now definitely yeah it certainly seems like that and and you know what of your recent collections i wanted to talk about but i also want to hear about what are some of your favorites you know you 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 um you support causes here and there with you know try and give back the uh the you, you did the um the chadwick bozeman tri tribute to the colon cancer uh donation yeah. talk about that and, and maybe some other of your favorites uh collections yeah that was honestly probably my favorite the chadwick bozeman we made that last year like not too soon after he passed away i'm like no i'm gonna plan it now we're going to do something for next year yeah. I wanted to release a t-shirt with that as well, but like, it's so hard to do something that, I don't know, I wanted it to be perfect. The shirt just didn't, it never sat right with me. Like, cause that, that cause, like I wanted it to be perfect. It was actually like, and like cancer, man, like it's just, it's so common. So like anytime we do a charity for cancer, that one means a lot because like Norm McDonald, Canadian legend, like the comedian, this guy was battling cancer for nine years. You don't know who's battling cancer. So those ones like mean a lot to me. I think that's definitely the most meaningful one for me. What about it? How about, how about in terms of just design and like, you know, in terms of being proud of because you created it, you talked about the cherry blossoms. That's one of my favorites. I think it's the of, cherry blossom. Yeah. yeah. I think it's definitely the cherry blossom when, Cause like we see the design and then we see the mock-ups and then when you see the final product and it looks good, cause we're always everyone, my guy at new era, he's always nervous too, because it's the first time we don't know if it's going to come out exactly perfect. This one came out so good, yep. came out so good.
we didn't even order enough. Like a lot of like, because it takes so long for fidgets to come in, the information I have right now is not the information when they come in. So in terms of sizing, we were not selling any size one eight, one four when we first opened, nothing. So then my orders after that were all big sizes. And then all the small sizes started selling out. It now we started to get a hang of it, but that's why for a while we were at like one four, one eight was selling out immediately. I was like, where were you guys two months ago? Like where? Like it was but now we're getting like we're hitting we're hitting the ground running now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a way smaller scale, but I feel the same way, you know. It always <laughs> seems like that you know whatever size you don't have people want but uh <laughs> that is how it goes yeah. i want to talk about you know the issues facing you know hat hat companies people like you the big players the small players um i know there's factory closures in places like vietnam due to covid people are talking about a dry spell it doesn't feel like a dry spell to me if you look at you know i'm sure you're feeling it so tell me a little bit about what is happening as much as you feel comfortable or can and and the challenges and i don't know maybe there's even opportunity in it yeah like i don't know how detailed i can go but factories have been affected by covid 100 there was factory closures so like a lot of stuff that they were working on they'd have to move it move production they got overwhelmed. And this is all during the hype of fitteds. So just imagine, they've never had to make this many fitteds in their life. So it was the perfect recipe for delays. And then there was a bunch of, like at some point, no one was working at the docks for deliveries, for boats coming in. So yeah. when they finally did, there was a picture one time, it was like 20, 30 cargo ships just waiting to dock. And like to clear out a cargo ship, that's not 20 minutes. Yeah. Like these boats are out there for a long time and like new era has a lot of hats come in by boat as well yeah. we did a pre-order months ago it was supposed to come in i want to say june i told people and i was giving them like room to be late we're in we're we're in the end of september almost and they haven't come in yet like it's that delayed it's really bad but it's across north america and yep. because of that, you're going to see a lot of the dry, the dry part isn't now because people were ordering months ago. So they're still coming in, but I'm thinking November, end of October, no, like all of November is going to be very slow for a lot of people. We'll be good. We're, we still have releases every week just because like I ordered so much, like in the beginning of the year, I have, I have hats that we've had for months that I haven't shown anyone. So we'll be all right. But definitely like it is the worst time right now for all companies and prices you're going to see start going up on fitteds on sneakers the prices of these actual like cargo ships have gone up a lot mm -hmm. so they have to put that into the prices of sneakers hats but you're going to see everything start going up like once in a while we do see a price increase this is about to be one of them interesting like, it's good to hear that you're you're uh you're a prepared for it and uh as a collector personally i uh i'm happy to hear that because uh of course i need my uh i need my fix but uh, but yeah. uh you know it's obviously a challenge and i i know you know when i ordered my my small amount of hats for sneaker dads it was you know it was double more of the time and it sounds like the timelines that you're talking about are 
are in some cases way more than double and i guess some of it has to do with luck what factory you're in you know if they're half made they're not going to go reproduce it in another factory and start fresh you just wait and and um you know my experience was kind of like they're on one of these boats when that comes gets unloaded that's going to yep. be yours so kind of just he's got to be patient and uh you know yeah. for me for me it's not business so it's a little less stressful but uh i, I think and and in terms of pure later pure later um they like as soon as something comes out they get it out so it could be a package of 12 if two come in they're sending out two so i'll get these we're releasing cotton candy hats i don't have all the teams because they haven't shipped them all like they just keep shipping one team at a time like these are all summer hats like sunflowers was supposed to be a while ago but like they came in so late sure so I, like for next year i'm definitely not cutting it close with flowers or anything summer related because like the delays are crazy but another thing with this business that people need to understand and like i do it too when like we ship our hats out immediately but once it's shipped it's in like it's in canada post hand they are so unreliable like you could like people in toronto they could get their hat the next day which happens a lot but there was a time there was a guy like 30 minutes from here, like his address. He didn't get it for two weeks. Just things happen. A lot of people call us, yo, it says like it's supposed to be here yesterday. It's not here. What are you guys doing? It has nothing to do with me. Like I, I want to help you, but it's not even possible to help you. I would have to call them. They would have to open a claim. It takes forever. It's just about luck. And I would do that too. I would complain like how is this not here? I ordered two weeks ago. I'm the same guy, but like being on this side, I realized like, yo, I can't even help you. It's in God's hands. <laughs> and at the end of the day, if you don't get it, it's insured. You'll get your money back. The worst thing that's going to happen is you were out of $60 for two weeks. It's the worst thing. And thank God fitteds are cheap enough where people have more patience. We're talking about three, $400. If you buy a shoe for resale for a thousand, I need that tomorrow. Like there is no late packages with that, but luckily fitted is cheap enough where people wait, but there's always people. We have like some bad reviews of some guy saying my package got delivered and then they took it back. Like, like it said delivered, but it got sent back to us. That has nothing to do with me. Like, I'm very sorry, but I'd be lying if I was like, like I, there's nothing I could do. There's nothing. I will get it back out to you. Like we'll figure it out. But as long as people know, it's not us. We ship our hats out immediately. Well, I can vouch for that. And uh, <laughs> I'm one of those people who usually get it uh, as soon as the next day. And people in my group are like, what? And um, it doesn't have anything to do with where I live. It's just <laughs> luck, like you said. But you compared it to sneakers. And, and I think COVID made this worth people being at home and spending all this time online and waiting for packages every day, multiple packages. And they're like addicted to that sort of. I, I feel it too, that addicted to that, you know, that, that yeah. serotonin here, whatever it is to your brain. <laughs> and it's like opening the package and, and it's like, if I don't get it, I'm going to send a bunch of angry emails But uh, on a more positive note. I'll let you go. I want to know one more thing though. Um, I want to know your favorite fitteds that you wear of your own. Um, you mentioned a couple of collections that you like, but are there ones that you go to and maybe there's some, um, actually don't have to be fitteds of course there's more in the world than just fitteds uh hats that aren't your own that you that you really love to wear because i'm pretty sure you're a hat guy anytime you walk out of the house right 
Yeah, yeah, mostly. Unless it's like a wedding. But <laughs> like for fitteds, like I the Travis Scott one is like one of my favorites. But mostly like I don't wear colorful stuff. Like most people don't see me out and about in Toronto, but if you do, I'm always like kind of low key. I'm always trying to not be seen. If I'm walking in the mall and I hear Shaheen, I'm like, fuck, who is that? Always, yo. I hate that. But yeah, like, so I just wear like pretty much original team colors. I like Yankee blue or black hats, but like I'll I'll do the peach bottoms. I really like peach bottoms. Those are the hats. Keep most I'm very, yeah, I'm very low key. Keep Even though it. I can have any fitted, any fitted, like any old fitted we can make again, I still like the basic stuff. It happens to everybody. When you have so many sneakers, you always go back to the basics. Same thing. I'm just curious if there are, you know, do you have sort of one-off like samples that, like, are you able to say, you know, let's try this, um, you know, with a, with, with a different color peach on, under, under visor with this Yankee and, and get one? Or do you have to order a whole sort of, whole sort of full size run? Yeah, for fitteds, unless it's a worldwide custom where, like, you can customize the entire... Usually, like, the global customs, it's... um You just choose colors. Yep. You can't really, like, add anything to it. To add, like, an embroidery, then it goes through a different system. And in that system, you'll get a sample. But just regular fitteds, you can't just ask for one. If you customize the whole hat, you'll get a sample in before the actual hat. But in terms of everything else, you gotta have to ro- you kind of have to roll the dice. There, that's why I lo- sometimes like there's fitted drops that don't have too many fitteds. Is because I was like I debated it, yeah. sitting there like, oh man, how many people are gonna like this? And like me, because I'm such a simple guy, once we get into colors, you sit there and you're like, I don't know, man, I don't know what these people are wearing these days. <laughs> yeah, like colors is tough for me, but. Yeah, like when you look at some of these colors, you wouldn't never have thought of that. I would have never, never thought I would buy it either as I look <laughs> on my floor and see these these colors, but uh, I'm wearing them and uh, I'm enjoying it. And so thank you for for all the 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 hats that I've got through you and uh, all the hard work you're doing and, and contributing to to that and also for sharing, um, you know, your stories from uh, the sneaker game. And I know you're still uh, you're still uh, obviously still. very involved in that. Still, exactly. So uh, I I, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the help, and uh, it was great talking to you. Thank you, man. And hopefully, when things are like normal, hopefully there's an event and we can all get together again. Absolutely, we'll all talk, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. And thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'll be on again soon, hopefully, when I have like more stories to give you. Big thanks again to Shaheen, who you can find at styll.ca or at still.ca on Instagram. I'm a big fan of his products, so I encourage you to check them out and buy a hat if you can get your hands on one. You can find me at Heads Ain't Ready, Sneaker Dads is on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as at sneakerdads.com. That's where you can still find a few new era hats of our own in selected sizes. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Later. <laughs>